Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me as always is Senior Staff Writer Ryan Whitfield. Um, we got a lot to cover today, including franchise tags, transition tags, the combine, all that fun stuff. But uh, for right now, uh, Ryan, tell me, are you uh, are you surviving Snowmageddon Part 20,000? Well, I haven't looked outside in the last uh, the last uh, two hours here, but it's been pretty lame here in Boston so far. Oh, so. oh really? Uh, you guys haven't getting been hit yeah. hammered by snow? Yeah, it's been pretty just rainy all day. I mean, they keep saying we're supposed to, but we were supposed to start this morning, then it was supposed to start this afternoon. Uh, but uh, Like I said, though, I haven't looked outside in like two hours, so it could be an absolute blister out there for all I know. Okay, all right. Well, I'll, we'll, we'll, let, we'll, we'll let you live in ignorance of the fact that this thing is going to be coming down real hard. <laughs> but it sounds I, like most I, of my I, life. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. It's, it's no different than any, any other day, I guess. It is uh, hitting us pretty hard here in New York, though. We're, we're supposed to be at 10 inches, so... Uh, I'm hoping for snow day, man. I'm hoping for snow day, but I got my fingers crossed here. This morning I was pretty upset to wake up and find out there was no snow or rain on the ground. That was a big disappointment. All right, we got tons to talk about. Like I said, franchise tag, transition tag, combine. Let's go ahead and get this thing rolling right now. All right, teams were required to apply the franchise tag by 4 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, March, 20, March 6th. And they did so, and uh, those who did so now have until 4 p.m. Eastern time on July 16th in order to work out a long-term deal or proceed uh, to the the one-year deal under the franchise tag. Now, the transition tag also exists, and that doesn't have the same type of deadline. And I think what might help here is do a little bit of tag 101. And uh, we're not going to talk about the exclusive franchise tag because no one actually used that this year. It's all non-exclusive franchise tag. So let's start with that. The non-exclusive franchise tag provides the tag player a one-year contract for an amount no less than the average of the top five salaries of the player's position last year or 120% of the player's previous year's salary, whichever is greater. Now, in exchange for a slightly lesser offer as compared to the exclusive tag, a non-exclusive franchise player may negotiate with other NFL teams, but if that player signs an offer sheet with another team, the original team has a right to match the terms of the offer, but if it doesn't, they uh, and they lose the player, they're entitled to two first-round draft picks as compensation. So it's pretty valuable for the team applying the tag. And it may not mean they want to keep this player, so keep that in mind. The transition tag is a little bit different. It, the tag player uh, gets a one-year salary that equals the average of the 10 highest-paid players at the position and allows him to negotiate with other teams. The original team can decide whether to match or not match other offers, and if they decide not to match, uh, they get basically uh, they get nothing. But um, if they decide to match, they can keep the player. So it gives them a little bit more security going forward, but no compensation. So with that said, let's move on to our non-exclusive franchise tags. The first one is Jarvis Landry, wide receiver of the Dolphins. He's already indicated he's expected to sign. He's going to pull down if he plays under that franchise tag. $15.9 million for one year. Those are the numbers that are released this uh, this week by the NFL. Uh, we already talked about him, uh, Ryan, so I'm going to jump to the next guy. And that's uh, Ziggy Ansah, the defensive end of the Lions. He was offered. He was put, placed under the uh, non-exclusive franchise tag. That's worth $17.1 million for a defensive end. That is the second highest amount next to a quarterback 
which is at 23.1 million. So they obviously have uh, defensive ends are definitely going for a, a much higher premium than any other position. Uh, and he has not yet signed it, uh, his, his franchise tender. Uh, his 2017 stats in 14 games, 39 tackles, five assisted tackles, 12 sacks, and a forced fumble. What are your thoughts, Ryan, on Ziggy Ansah and the franchise tag via the Lions? Yeah, so when it comes to Ziggy Ansah, um, you know, I was going to kind of throw this out there to you that, uh, you know, you could you could throw out the stats and I'll just go off my, my eyes like I always do. Um, <laughs> but you had, the stats, you had the stats ready ahead of time, so... Uh, for me, Ziggy Ansah is a, is, a, is a very good defensive end, but I don't put him in the elite class. And uh, I know it's one year, but I would not want to be paying the man $17 million. Um, and that's just me personally. So, again, I think right. he's one of those players, he's going to get sacks, he's going to make plays. But when I look at the defensive ends that are are truly elite, the, the word uh, that, that pops to mind is disruption. You know, somebody who can really disrupt mm-hmm. the game from the defensive end spot. And that's never been Ziggy Ansah to me. Um, he disappears in too many games. He's too inconsistent. Uh, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't qualify him as a high-motor guy. I think he's an athletic, good-sized player um, that makes that has the opportunity to make plays and will make plays. But I just, again, he's not... He's not wreaking havoc back there, you know. He's not. He's not even. He's not Michael Bennett from a couple years ago in his prime. Right. He's not. Um, he's not. You know, Jadavian Clowney when he's at his best. He's just. He's just a different guy. So that's a lot of money to be to be locking up there uh, when there's a, when there's certainly a, a good amount of holes in that in that Detroit team. Yeah, and Michael Bennett, by the way, just traded from the uh, Seahawks to the Eagles uh, earlier today in exchange for a fifth round pick and a. Uh, a wide receiver that I honestly have never heard of before. So <laughs> there you go. That's the kind of the, the running uh, running uh, value here. But um, defensive ends, they're very expensive on franchise tag. I agree with what you said there. Uh, Ziggy Ansa is important, but $17.1 million is, is a lot. I think they're looking to find a way to sign him to some sort of extended contract that will kind of lessen the impact of that. Let's move on to the next guy. That's Demarcus Lawrence, defensive end of the Cowboys. Obviously, uh, that is also going to be $17.1 million. He has signed his franchise tender already, his 2017 stats in 16 games, 35 tackles, 23 assisted tackles, 14.5 sacks, one pass defense force, and four forced fumbles. So, uh, you know, a little bit more disruption there, perhaps. What are your thoughts about Demarcus Lawrence and the Cowboys? Yeah, that's exactly how I describe it. And again, it's, it's, it's kind of an intangible eye testing that I go off a lot when I watch some of these guys. And when you watch Lawrence, I mean, you're, you're drawn to him. When, you know, yeah. if you're watching the, the, the Cowboys on defense, you, you got your eyes on him on every single play. He wreaks havoc back there. He's, he is a disruption. Um, and I think he's still on the upswing of his career. You know, Ziggy's, Ziggy's kind of agree. at the peak and probably on the backside of that peak. Uh, you know, if you're doing a bell curve, he, he's not all the way down, but he's starting to slope down. Whereas uh, Lawrence, I mean, the sky's the limit. This kid is this kid's phenomenal, um, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up close to 20 sacks this year. Uh, so yep. I, I I'm all in on that move by Dallas. And in Dallas, uh, your your defense is pretty atrocious, so you got to hold on to the, <laughs> probably the, the one good talented player you have right now. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that's kind of popped out there, and this just supports what you're saying. I mean, 35 tackles, 23 assisted tackles. I mean, that's I mean, if you look at it, that's like 50% more than the total number of tackles that Ziggy Ansah was involved in. So it's clear that Lawrence is all over the place. He knows how to get into the play. He knows how to disrupt the play. Uh, very, very important if you're going to be an effective defensive end, particularly at $17.1 million in a single year. I think they're going to look to extend him as well. Next guy we have on the list is LaMarcus Joyner, the safety from the Los Angeles Rams. He hasn't signed yet. 
Um, this was actually very recent, and actually it was interesting because there was some discussion about whether the Rams would use their franchise tag on Sammy Watkins instead, but they decided not to, so he'll be testing free agency. Uh, this franchise tag is worth only $11.2 million. I know, I know it sounds weird, but when we're talking about franchise tags, it's only $11.2 million. That is actually the third lowest amount of any franchise tag outside of kickers and punters and tight ends. So, you know, think about that. I mean, safeties, I think, are incredibly important. But LaMarcus Joyner only uh, tagged at 11.2. What are your thoughts about that? Um, let me throw out the stats real quick. 2017, 12 games played, 39 tackles, 10 assisted tackles, 9 pass defenses, 1 forced fumble, 3 interceptions, and 1 return for touchdowns. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for, for them, A, it's a low-cost thing, and – you know, when, when the alternative of the guy you might be considering slapping the tag on is uh, Mr. One Route, Sammy Watkins, uh, <laughs> right. who's now who's now sucked in an offense that actually was really good this year. So yeah, um, I true. think it's pretty obvious that, that he's great, or that he that he's a he's a greatly overrated. And I would say that um, you know we weren't doing the podcast back then, but if you'd heard me in 2014 and the way I raved about Sammy Watkins, you know it takes. Uh, I'm eating a lot of crow when I say he sucks. So <laughs> right. uh, would you? I would. I would. Uh, yeah, so with Jordan, I would absolutely um, slap the tag on him, especially kind of in the, you know, nothing major, but they did, they you know, they peeled off some pieces off that defense today. So uh, continuity right. and consistency is important year over year, and if they're going to repeat what they did last year, um, they, you know, they can't they can't lose. I mean, they've lost, you know, two guys out of the front seven, one off the, you know, the line and one off the, the linebacking core. Um, I'm not trying to dip into the secondary pool. you got to bring at least one player group back. So, um, for them, I think it makes sense. It's it's, it's low money. Uh, he's a great, he's a good player. Uh, obviously, you know, hope that he has a bounce back year where he's not missing four games like that. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, I would uh, I, I would I would I think he's worth the 11 million this year. Yeah, and I think it's much less risk at the 11 million level than than trying to apply 15 million on Sammy Watkins of all people. I think you might even be able to sign him to an extended contract if you really want him for less money. So um, let's get to the last franchise tag out there, and that's, of course, Le'Veon Bell, running back Steelers. Everyone knows who he is. Not signed yet. He's been uh, tagged now back-to-back years. Uh, interestingly, only worth um, – it's not really worth uh, that much. Uh, running backs are only worth $11.8 million. Uh, so uh, obviously Le'Veon Bell probably worth at least that much. 2017 stats, 15 games played, 321 rushes, 1,291 rush yards, three rushing touchdowns. 106 targets, 85 receptions, 655 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Um, Antonio Brown just restructured his contract today in order to add uh, guaranteed money up front, and that allows the Steelers to spread it out over several years and free up some cap space, which may help them sign Bell to a long-term deal. So it looks like that's what they're going to try and do. What are your thoughts about tagging Bell uh, for $11.8 million? Stupid. Oh, Stupid. wow. Stupid. First of all, I'm over Le'Veon Bell. I think he's overrated. I think he spends half his time whining. Um, and, you know, it's going to come back to this argument again. Can you remind me? Can you remind me who the, who the pinnacle running back of that of the Philadelphia Eagles was last year? Jay Ajayi? Yeah. Yeah. Garrett Blunt? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I'm, you should see my face. I'm disgusted at the words I'm saying. The year before, <laughs> hmm, Patriots. Was that... Garrett Blunt again? Pop it up in there. <laughs> right. and then so that's a trick. 2015. <laughs> Sign the Garrett uh, Blunt, guys. 
wasn't C.J. Anderson out by the time the, the Broncos won it in 2015? Wasn't it like Ronnie Hillman and, and whoever else they could yeah. throw in De- Devin Booker back there or whoever uh, they could throw back Booker, there? Yeah. Devontae Booker, they had uh, uh, LeGarrette Blunt in 2014. You don't need an elite running back. Do you, uh, how many years in a row I have to say this to all you people? How do you, how do you not understand this? No, you don't pay for a running back. Go get the next guy off the street. We have that wow. we have the situation in New England right now. Dion Dion Lewis wants more money. Goodbye. See ya. Thanks for your service. You were you, you couldn't <laughs> stay on the field before you got here. We don't need you. You're a running back. See you. So same thing. Wow. Same thing to Le'Veon Bell. You don't pay a running back. See you later. Goodbye. Go find the next yeah. guy. They they, they drafted. I, I'm forgetting his name now. Connors last year. They drafted Connors last year for this yeah, reason, right? So say yeah. goodbye. Go get your money elsewhere. How about how about putting up a representative defense that for once in the last ten years can stand up in the postseason? That's where I'd spend my money, not on Levy on Bell. Goodbye. Okay. Well, I, I was actually I thought we might be able to make it through this entire section of being controversial, but you managed to bring it back in there. Bell for 11.8 million. I actually think is is pretty cheap. I don't think that's big of it. I mean, he does more than than be a backfield threat. He's obviously a pass catching back pretty significantly as well. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I think that if you're looking at it from your perspective of next man up and they did draft uh, James Conner. So, you know, if you, that's the guy you want to develop, you should go ahead and develop him and they are over the cap uh, right now. So they're going to have a hard time uh, structuring it so that bell can fit. So if they want to avoid that, Hey, get the guy that you drafted. Hope that he's learned something uh, sitting behind bell and uh, going to go from there. And uh, you have Antonio Brown long-term, so you know you don't have to worry about that anymore. All right, let's go to the transition tag. There's only one. That's Kyle Fuller, cornerback for the Bears. That's actually worth $12.9 million. That's a savings of about $2 million over using a non-exclusive franchise tag. Now, remember, they get no compensation if they don't match, but you know they get some security because they do have an opportunity to match anybody else he talks to. 2017 stabs, 16 games played, 60 tackles, 8 assisted tackles, 22 pass defenses, 2 interceptions, what are your thoughts about Kyle Fuller of a transition tag and the Bears? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty hard for me to have a, a strong opinion one way or the other. I was thinking about this coming to tonight's show. I think the last meaningful Chicago Bears game I can remember watching was the, 20, <laughs> uh, the 2010 snow game uh, between okay. the Pats and the Bears. I think it was on like a Sunday night. And Dion Branch yep. uh, torched you guys all night. Um, uh, so uh, luckily uh, for me, I don't have to watch a – have to watch too much uh, Chicago Bear football these days. Um, so yeah. I don't know how good Fuller is. Every, I, I, you know, it's a name that I'm constantly told how good he is. Uh, every time I've watched him, um, I don't notice him a whole heck of a lot, which could be just because he's shutting down the end of the field so they're staying away from him. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that a lot of times in, in, as a corner, the, the less stats you have, the, the more yeah. dangerous you are, but it also means right. that you really suck. So it's kind of hard yep. to gauge it off the stats. So, um, you know, you're the Chicago guy. So if you think he's worth it, then I'll uh, I'll concede to you there. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think he's not worth it. Let's put it that way. I mean, honestly, they could use all the help they can get, and they can't lose any more pieces. They really need to work on their wide receiving core, uh, as we saw last year. I mean, Kendall Wright is not the answer. Uh, so I, I honestly, I think that if you can keep those parts uh, in place, uh, 12.9 million is reasonable for a good cornerback, for a starting cornerback. That's a uh, that that's solid in the defense that you already have up and running. You know, I I think why not keep him? And if you if it's too much, if you get him offer from another team, it's too much. You can let him go. No no harm no foul. So transition tag, I think an easy call there. Let's ring the bell on that. Let's talk about the combine. There's a lot to talk about because the NFL combine has already passed us by, and there's a lot of people in there that have gotten better, and a lot of people who have gotten worse. So why don't we start with you there on who you thought have uh, who really got better? 
uh, those notable performances in the combine. Give us uh, your top one or two. Yeah, so the top two guys I've, I focused on, um, you know me, I like big physical guys in the secondary. Uh, and Derwin James, who is uh, just, you know, really known for his size, his strength, and his speed, um, which is a pretty elite skill set to have there. And, uh, you know, he, uh, I think he was on full display uh, this weekend. Um, so he was my number mm-hmm. one. Uh, and, the, and that, for you don't know, is the, the safety defensive back out of uh, Florida State. Um, so I, uh, yeah, he was my number one. I mean, ran a 447. 40 yard had 11 foot broad jump 40 inch uh vertical so um just really kind of put all that athleticism on display and then i mean he's 6'3 215 so you don't have to mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about his size or strength and then the other one the easy one i'll, I'll take the lame route here um i'll be the one to throw out shaquem griffin um okay. obviously the, yeah, yeah. The, 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 huge, the huge talk and you know for a guy who probably you know from what everyone's saying is he's now elevated himself from like a sixth seventh round pick to a fourth round pick um, right. So it's a pretty big jump. So, you know, it'll be interesting because, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, he obviously has a disability, right? He has, he has, a, yep. you know, I don't know what the, the political correct term is, but um, obviously but only has one he, hand. And, yeah, um, one hand, right. So, uh, the you know, the conversation is that, well, just because he only has one hand, I mean, look at his skill set, look how he's done in college, you know, how how can you say he can't be the same? And I, and I, and I can't, the only thing I can say is that, I mean, he looks like a tremendous athlete, but Jason Pierre-Paul is not the same guy he was before he lost, you know, had the, the firework uh, accident there where he lost a couple fingers. Um, right. You know, especially in the NFL, these guys are big and strong. You have to be able to grab on and grasp and grapple. And so, you know, I wonder if it'll work long-term, but I think as far as what happened this weekend, um, you know, he obviously made the biggest jump because he probably moved himself up two or three rounds, um, which is super impressive. And, you know, everything he right. did from the bench press, uh, you know, if you've seen the video of the bench press, it's unbelievable. Wow. So those yeah. are my two. Yeah, so I, I can I'll just mention one thing about Shaquem Griffin. I think that uh, you know I did I'm a little bit I, I'm a little bit biased because I saw the special on ESPN about him back when uh, during the during the college football season when he was playing for U, uh, University of Central Florida, and it was actually it was a really like moving <laughs> piece that was 15 minutes talking about his background and how he was born with this. He was in constant pain, and he and when at like six or seven years old, he was caught he was in the in the uh, kitchen with a knife, and he said he wanted to cut off his his uh, his hand because of the fact it was constant pain and uh, they had it surgically removed and from that point on he's always excelled uh, because he could focus on what he wanted to do and and what he did in college has been amazing uh, and the fact that he he ran a 4.38 40 yard dash which is the same as his uh, twin brother who's actually uh, was drafted uh, by the Seattle Seahawks last year um, and and he weighs uh, 23, 23 pounds more than him um, it's actually the the, the best 40 yard dash at the combine for a linebacker since 2003, incredibly impressive. And of course, and as you said, the, the 20 reps on the bench press with the prosthetic left arm was uh, simply inspiring. Very, really amazing. Uh, I don't know if it will am- impact him in the NFL or not. Uh, I certainly think he has proven that he deserves a chance. And I certainly do think that uh, being drafted uh, by the fourth round uh, makes sense now. Uh, and he certainly did a, a lot to improve his stock. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, go around to the other side of this, and I'm going to take another kind of easy one, uh, so to speak. And I, I, actually, it's an easy one, which I know you're going to hate because you hate running back so much <laughs> that you're not going to like the fact that I really liked what Sequan Barkley did this, uh, this weekend. I really think that uh, he really uh, jumped out 
did amazing things at the combine. Um, in addition to being just simply amazing from before the combine, six foot, 20, six foot uh, tall, 233 pounds, uh, running back out of Penn State. Uh, like I said, ton, tons and tons of buzz before he came out into the combine and had his big breakout. He's a huge threat between the tackles and through the air. Uh, he's been likened uh, to Barry Sanders, and, and that's probably an overstatement. I, I, think I hate it when people say things like that, but a lot of pundits have been saying that. Who am I say, say they're wrong? I mean, the guy has set all sorts of records in the Big Ten uh, with most rushing touchdowns, most yards for scrimmage several years in a row, and most uh, kickoff return yards for return. So he's done a lot of stuff on, on both sides. Uh, on, on the special teams as well as offense. Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year in 2016, 2017, Consensus All-American in 2017. And most important to me, great ball security. In 38 college games, only lost three fumbles. So um, incredibly important. Then he goes into the combine and basically won the combine. I don't know if it's possible to do that, but if it's possible to win the combine, Barkley won the combine. Among running backs, he had the second fastest 40-yard dash at 4.4, tied for the most reps in the bench press at 29, highest vertical jump at 41.0, had a ridiculously great um, passing and running drill section. Uh, according to SB Nation, his 40-yard dash was the second best ever by a running back 230 pounds or heavier. His vertical is the highest for any running back 230 pounds or heavier. And his 29 bench pre- uh, bench reps is ranked in fifth among all running backs 235 pounds or smaller. So he's bigger than he looks, and he's and he's also stronger than he looks. I mean, it's it's amazing what he was able to do. Uh, and then uh, and then NFL Research, and obviously I've drank the Kool-Aid on this one. NFL Research came out with this stat: uh, he's stronger than Joe Thomas. More uh, more bench press uh, than more bench press reps than Joe Thomas. He's fat. He's quicker than Deshaun Jackson. He had a 10 yard split faster than Deshaun Jackson. He's faster than Devin Hester. He had a 40 yard dash faster than Devin Hester, and he jumps higher than Julio Jones with a higher vertical jump. So uh, I don't know. I mean, this guy looks pretty good to me. I mean, I think he could be number one overall. And even though that's a big no no in draft, uh, taking a running back number one overall. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you think about uh, about Saquon Barkley. Yeah, so with Saquon Barkley, I've actually I don't think the Barry Sanders comparison is that far off because um, you know I think in 12, 13 years when we look back at his career that will uh, or not think I know we'll look back at his career and say that he was also responsible for zero Super Bowl wins just like Barry Sanders <laughs> because the uh, running back doesn't win a Super Bowl it doesn't matter go ahead and draft him Cleveland oh my God does, does the name Trent Richardson does that is that do we forget about him I mean I. It's hard not to forget about him. But uh, oh, they but made that, out of that, that though. They, they dumped him on the Colts. <laughs> they, yeah, but but well, I don't know. If, I don't know if the Browns have made out on anything in the last seventeen years. Yeah, but, well, it's true. Uh, That's fair. I mean, is this this is this is so unbelievable that we're having this discussion again? That you guys are all drinking the Kool Aid again. We're gonna get an elite running back in here, and and he is. He's he's physically gifted. He, he's a great athlete. I, I'm sure he'll be one of the best running backs in the game. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Um, you know, another case I'll give to you uh, on the running back argument. The Minnesota Vikings last year lost my favorite guy coming out of the draft last year, who they let, yep. who they drafted at a great spot. And what did it matter? He was, and he was, I mean, Delvin Cook was easily the best running rookie running back in that first month. He goes down and they still go on to the NFC Championship because you could throw Latavius Murray back there. You could throw me back there. It does not matter. <laughs> so it, great, great day at the Combine for all you, for all you, you know, and it'll be a big fantasy football topic. But uh, if you want to win a real championship, I wouldn't, uh, I would not be blowing a number one pick on him when you could go get an elite defensive end and a quarterback when you have picks one and four at Cleveland. 
All right. Well, I'm going to be throwing out an article soon that's going to really infuriate you, talking about why I think Saquon Barkley might be the best guy in the draft. I know you're going to hate that one. So let's, let me talk, tell you my yeah. second guy, because this, this guy might be – you might actually jump on board with this guy because I think he's a better value for running back. Nick Chubb. And uh, he's probably going to be going around the fourth round. Uh, you know, he's 5'11", 227 pounds. Uh, Sony Michelle obviously was the talk of the town uh, out of Georgia. But um, Nick Chubb has been a big part of the success in Georgia uh, over the last four years. And he's only improved his stock at the Combine. You know, his freshman year was probably his best in 2014, 7.1 yards per carry, 219 attempts, 14 rushing touchdowns, 213 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Uh, and it was the best in terms of total touchdowns and yards from scrimmage in all of the SEC. And the rest of his career was also solid, having the second most career rushing yards, fifth most career rushing TDs in SEC history. But at the Combine, he also did not disappoint. Tied for the most reps and bench press at 29, same as Saquon Barkley. Second longest broad jump, 10 feet, 8 inches, and fourth highest vertical jump at 38.5. Not the fastest guy, but he's a solid downhill power runner. And best of all, uh, and as I, as, you know, this is the biggest thing for me, Great ball security. Only lost five fumbles in 47 college games, and he's been in college for four years. So he's had four years of experience. Plus, he can probably be had in the third or fourth round. So what do you think about that? How about Nick Chubb in the third or fourth (coughs) round of the draft? Yeah, excuse me. Um, Yeah, so no, I mean, that's where you should be picking running backs. You know, third's still a little high for me, but but late third round, early fourth round, value Mm -hmm. guys. Give me, give me Chris Carson. Give me Nick Chubb. Give me, uh, you know, Jay Ajayi and Clemente and uh, Deion Lewis and whoever. Just, just don't right. go out and spend big. So if, okay. if if you can get Chubb in in the in the late third round, early fourth round, um, that's an ideal spot to be picking a running back, in my opinion. So uh, I'm all on board with that. Yeah, I would love, I would love to get that in the third or fourth round. That'd be perfect. All right. So give me, give me your loser of the uh, combine. So my loser. And this comes with a, a little bit of a, a developing opinion I have, which is we were really hyped on this draft class for a while here. Um, and now as it's gotten closer, and I, I don't, I'm going to probably butcher it, but it feels like it was like, it was like Geno Smith, uh, Blake Bortles, like Case Keenum. Like, it feels like all those guys were in that one draft. I think it was like 2012, 2013, something like that, where we just had mm-hmm. a terrible quarterback draft. And I feel like that's what we're on the brink of. Um, and, and so in, in this year – um, you know, my biggest guy that I that I was severely disappointed in was uh, Sam Darnold and not participating in throwing drills. You know, I just don't have any faith in any of these guys coming out. I, I'm actually, as the days go by, thinking that it's going to be somebody like, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to completely blink on his name now here, but the Lamar Jackson, there we go. Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. somebody like that, like in the second or third round, is going to be the only good quarterback to come out of this draft. And uh, Darnold and Allen and all these guys that are you know, being touted as the top, you know, the, they could have four in the top ten. Uh, I'm starting to think they're all going to be busts. And again, Darnold not participating in throwing. Um, and his, you know, you know, one quote I saw was that his athleticism didn't bowl anyone over. Um, so just an over, you know, four eight five forty. I mean, he just, he's just kind of blah is what I think of when I think of him and this entire quarterback class. So that's my guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that that and I can I can kind of buy onto that too. I think there is a little bit over hype on the quarterback class. It's a better quarterback class than we had theoretically last year. Um, it's just unclear. Um, it's unclear how much better they really are going to be as far as uh, I think the need is just so high that it's elevated 
the value of quarterbacks in the draft. My my big loser of the weekend has got to be uh, Oklahoma's offensive tackle, Orlando Brown. Before the combine, he was trending up to be a top 10 draft pick, uh, particularly of all the O-line needs around the NFL. But uh, after the combine, wow. Yeah, I just don't know who's going to want to take a chance here. Brown showed a significant lack of effort in drills, clear lack of focus during his combine training. He was caught several times on video lounging around and not paying attention during the combine. In fact, several coaches reportedly yelled at him during drills for loafing. And I'm not sure it was just an off day. It was just a sense of entitlement, but he did not do himself any favors from either the attitude angle or the physical attributes angle as he really bombed out there running a 5.8540 time, including a two second, 10 yard split, just 14 reps on bench press, man, you're an offensive tackle. Have some pride. Posted a 19.5-inch vertical that was four inches worse than anyone at the combine, and a six-foot-ten-inch broad jump, which was a full foot less than the next shortest effort. All those numbers are among the worst from recent NFL draft picks of tackles. Uh, he may have not fallen out, of, not have only fallen out of the first round. He may have fallen out of the second round as well. Although, even with that said, I would take a chance with him in the second round because I think the talent is still there if they can get his head on straight. What are your thoughts on Orlando Brown? Yeah, all major red flags. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all set. I'm not taking him. <laughs> if I'm, okay, yeah. Right. I, I'll, I'll take him maybe in like the, the sixth, seventh round uh, as a flyer in a project. You know, low risk kind of move. But no, yeah. I'm, I'm all set with a guy with the, with that kind of attitude and work ethic. I'm sure he'll end up in Dallas. All right, so let's ring the bell here. All right, give us your uh, Twitter handle and uh, Instagram so people can follow you. Yes, follow me and uh, come, come, uh, come. You know, try to debate me on the running back topic because uh, oh, yeah. you're, you're all wrong. So, at Ryan Whitfield <laughs> NE, uh, Instagram is football underscore garbage underscore time. And check out my boys at DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports. And you can follow me at FB Garbage Time on Twitter. And I'm going to have that new article coming out about talking about how great Saquon Barkley is. I know that Ryan will have a lot to say about uh, that. And we'll be back again next week with more. And we'll be talking about free agents, and we'll be talking about how those long-term contracts are going to be shaping up. As free agency is right around the corner. So join us again next week and enjoy your NFL week. And uh, good luck with the snow up there. It's going to hit you by tomorrow morning, I bet. Yeah, I, I think it would be more impressive than I can do that.